The following message is from the 2014 IBCD Summer Institute, Making Peace with the Past. My name is Martha Peace. I live near Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I know you can tell when I start talking. And I believe me, I'm not as bad as some people are. Um, one time when I was talking to um, Stan Haley, he and his wife owned Focus Publishing. They did the Excellent Wife book. Before I met them, but I had to talk to them on the phone quite a lot. And uh, one time I called up there, and he answered the phone, and he said, um, Focus Publishing. And I said, Stanley. That's all I said. He said, Martha. <laughs> I said, how did you know? He said, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> so anyway, and then I found out they were making fun of me behind my back after I got to know them. Because when we would hang up, I would say, bye. <laughs> and, and they would say, goodbye, you know, in perfect English. And then hang up the phone and say, bye. So now we, we just always say that. So I'm trying to teach them how to talk. All right, the name of this lecture is The Biblical Counselor's Guide to Psychiatric Drugs. And Laura Hendrickson, uh, who is now deceased, but she was an MD and a board-certified psychiatrist, and she was also a ACBC certified counselor, and uh, she was very instrumental in telling me what books to read, what research to do, and then she even went over this lecture before I gave it originally at a, an ACBC conference. Well, I've been a nuthetic counselor to women for 26 years now, and uh, I worked as a registered nurse prior to that. I worked for 13 years as a registered nurse, and the last three years of nursing I taught at a college, and so I have that medical background, and it's been very helpful to have that um, in the counseling circles. Um, anybody who is on a boatload of medicines or has had a psychotic break or I, those are the counselees that I get, <laughs> so uh, they assign them to me usually. But um, I have been in the medical counseling circles long enough to know, to have seen these medicines come on the market, be touted as safe, the new wonder drug, we've found the tranquilizer that is the perfect one, or the antidepressant that is the perfect one, and then time tells another story. And so then they'll, the drug companies will come up with a new one and the same kind of history. I, I remember, I think when I was a little girl, when, the lithi uh, when uh, Librium came out, as a tranquilizer. And uh, I remember they said people that were nervous, they could take this drug that was not addictive. And then, of course, we found out otherwise. So, and then because <clears throat> most of these drugs are in the same category of drugs, they're going to have the same side effects. They're going to have the same withdrawal effects. 
and um, they are a problem. So what I want to do <clears throat> is give a brief history of psychiatric drug use, present a brief, hopefully clear explanation of the categories of psychiatric drugs, list the nine most commonly used drugs today, and as I say, they're always coming out with new ones. I want to explain the most common side effects as well as the much more serious side effects that some people uh, struggle with, and then give you some practical advice on how to safely help with the doctor's help. We've got to have the doctor's help uh, a counselee come off of their medication. Now, it's always been a challenge to try to control the behavior of someone who's acting crazy. Uh, it's just, this has always been a, a problem. Uh, over a hundred years ago, the psychiatric drug of the day was cocaine. Now, cocaine would perk up somebody who was depressed. It had some unfortunate side effects. Sometimes their heart would rupture, sometimes. And I mean, they're just like one or two doses of cocaine and you're hooked on it. Um, so it is very highly addictive. And not long before I was in nursing school, I was in nursing school in the mid-60s, and uh, we spent a whole semester at Milledgeville State Hospital, which is, was the state psychiatric hospital in Georgia back then. <clears throat> so there were thousands of patients there and, and lo lots of different buildings, different kinds of groupings of patients. But I remember our instructor telling us that not long before we came, they experimented with giving uh, suicidal patients um, insulin. And they would put them into insulin shock and just plummet their blood sugar. Well, wh when they do that, you, you lose brain cells. You know, it, it, the brain starts to die because the brain has to have uh, glucose to function. And so, uh, then they would drop their blood sugar, they would pass out, go into a coma, and then they would give them IV glucose to bring them back. Well, uh, that, the thought of that was shock the brain and then they will be okay. They won't be suicidal anymore. It didn't work very well and um, they didn't keep doing that. So. I was glad that I didn't see that happening, but it's it, it's not all that long ago that they were doing kind of just almost barbaric things to try to control people's behavior and try to help them. Um, I saw patients, the extreme patients, locked in cages like jail cells because we didn't have the, all of the medicines that we do now to control um, psychotic and bizarre behavior. We did have Thorazine, we did have Librium, Phenobarbital, and shock treatments. And they would do shock treatments. They still do that. Not nearly as much as they used to do. But um, 
when somebody has that done, um, then they what they have is a short-term memory loss. So they don't remember why they were suicidal, and they don't even remember being suicidal, unless they were suicidal, of course, for a long time. So it does affect the brain that way, and it is a, can be a very negative thing. So in the 40-plus years that I've been in, um, actually almost close to 50 years in medical and counseling circles, uh, I've seen these drugs come and go. And there's a pattern that has developed um, and has emerged. At first, the drug is touted that it is safe and non-addictive. Librium was hailed as safe and uh, non-addictive. Time told otherwise. Then they came out with Valium. Now, you see, the drug companies, they, they take a drug that they know has a good effect, and, but they've got unfortunate side effects. And so they try to come up with another one that has the good effect, but not the side effects, or as bad as side effects. So they came out with Valium, and then time again told otherwise that it was addictive. Then we had Transine, which was, is people still use that sometimes. Then Xanax, then Clonopin, then Ativan, which is lorazepam. So all of those are tranquilizers. They're benzodiazepines, and they're in the same category of drugs. But in the last probably 30 years now, we've seen the emergence of the antidepressants. Now, when I started counseling 26 years ago, this was not an issue. It was rare for me to have a counselee that was on an antidepressant medicine. Now, I just, most of them, a lot of them are. And now the thought is polypharmacy from the psychiatrist. They don't just put you on one. They'll put you on two or three or even four. And so it is, whereas 26 years ago as a new counselor, we were told we're not doctors. We don't um, deal with the medicines. And we just let, that's between the doctor and the patient. And, but now it has, been, has become such a problem and there's so many bad effects and withdrawal effects to this that we need to be aware. And we can tell them to go back to their doctor or um, help them. Or if they're stable and they think they're ready to withdraw from, from their medicine and you think they're ready, to withdraw, then there's a lot of things that I want you to tell them to prepare them for this. So this is, uh, we need to be savvy about it. Um, now, of course, you've heard the term chemical imbalance. The theory was that there was a chemical imbalance causing depression and um, that they didn't know exactly how the antidepressants worked to perk somebody's mood up, 
but they did know that it changed the chemical imbalance in the brain. And what happens is the brain has millions and trillions of microscopic cells free floating in the fluid, the cerebral spinal fluid. And the antidepressants are called reuptake inhibitors, SSRI. So like a serotonin reuptake inhibitor or serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. The three chemicals they're talking about are serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. So the brain has to have these chemicals floating in the fluid to, in order for the electrical impulses to go through the brain and tell you to move your hand when you're touching something hot or picking up something, or you, you tell yourself, grab that, pick it up. So uh, it's like little bridges there. The Lord did something astounding because he made the brain cells to make these little neurochemicals. And the, the little cells inside the cell makes the chemicals and then uh, it, they shift out into the fluid space. If it's too much in the fluid space, they shift back in. And so it titrates it and evens out. If there's not enough, or the, the cell perceives there's not enough, uh, then it makes more. And so these drugs change the permeability of the cell wall. It's, it, 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 the, it can, the, like the serotonin, for instance, it can shift out, but it can't get back in. So it tricks the cell into uh, thinking, I don't have enough, and it just keeps pumping out serotonin. And what you end up is a massive amount in the fluid spaces. So um, it's common for doctors to use medicine and they don't exactly know how it works. Um, for over 100 years, doctors gave aspirin for fever and they couldn't tell you how it brought your fever down. Now they know, but um, it was, it's always been a theory. The theory took on a life of its own. And psychiatrists and were telling people, well, you're bipolar, you have a chemical imbalance, this is a physical imbalance in your body, and you have got to take this medicine. So, um, but now, and is for several years, the more preeminent psychiatrists have been writing and saying there is no chemical imbalance. The only way you can test for it is do a biopsy of your brain. So I tell my counselors, don't let your doctor <laughs> biopsy your brain. So, and of course, they wouldn't do that anyway. But um, the the for for all of this time. Different ones, like Joseph Glenmullen, uh, he wrote Prozac Backlash. He wrote 
the antidepressant solution. He's a Harvard-trained Boston psychiatrist who has helped hundreds and hundreds of people come off of their antidepressants. And uh, he was uh, considered to be an expert, and he's testified in a lot of cases and, and things like that. He's not a Christian, but he does have common sense. And, but now, in more recent times, uh, more and more psychiatrists are saying, whatever it is causing depression, it's not a chemical imbalance. So they still use the drugs, and, and unfortunately, it has trickled down to like general practitioners and anybody who's got an MD behind his name uh, is giving these out like candy pills. Uh, I have a counselee right now who is a 20-year-old girl, and uh, there are black box warnings on these drugs that you don't give them to teenagers or young adults because of the extreme risk of suicide. And her doctor wrote out a prescription for her, and she took one for one week, and she was almost ready to commit suicide. She got they're uppers and so they make you nervous and she couldn't sleep because of it and um, it we had to get her off of that immediately so you need to know about these things um, the chemical imbalance theory is not is the the medical people see people as um, sophisticated animals high up on the food chain and so everything is physical. Everything is organic. And of course we know there are some legit physical causes for depression. For instance, if somebody has to take high doses of steroids, it has a terrible side effect of depression. Uh, seizure medicines that some people have to take have a bad side effect of depression. Hypothyroidism if, if you're really hypothyroid, can, you can uh, become depressed. So there are some legitimate physical things that some can be corrected and some can't, but it's usually um, circumstances and grievous sometimes circumstances, not of their own doing, and also our own sinful reactions to life and our circumstances. So depression is real, but it's usually a combination of things. And some of the things we deal with with counseling, some people, some things we deal with with sending them back to the doctor to have a test done. But it is not true that depression is caused by chemical imbalance in the brain. And this is backed up now by research by the psychiatric journals, by so, but it just hasn't gotten down to the um, the other doctors, and um, there. Um, psychiatrists in general are prescribing multiple drug therapies. Uh, I had a young wife and mother come to me for counseling a while back. She was on four psychiatric drugs. She, her eyes were glazed over. She was like a zombie. And uh, she came in there and she said, uh, well, I'm, I struggle with depression. 
I have, um, and now I can't even think, and I can't even function at home, taking care of my children. And um, she said, I went back to, she was on, she had been on three medicines, and, and, and you're going to think I'm making this up, but I'm telling you the truth. She went back to her psychiatrist, and she said, I'm on too much medicine. I can't function. I can't think. And he said, well, I know what your problem is. You have adult attention deficit disorder. And he put her on Ritalin. I, I'm like, is this, this guy's out of touch with reality. But he's not the only one doing stuff like that. So she can't think. He puts her on another upper is, is what he did. And then as I was working with her, one day she said, you know, I'll, I, and, and my goal is I don't just, first time they walk in to see me, say, oh, you've got to get off this medicine. But I mean, this girl presented with, i got to get off this medicine. So... But anyway, after a while, uh, she said, I am willing to detox off of all this except the Ritalin. <laughs> I love that drug because I've got lots of energy and I can, I said, I guess you do. So, but anyway, she was cute. Um, the problem with helping people deal with their medicines is not going away. It gets, it's getting worse. And those of you who've been involved in counseling circles for a while, you know what I'm talking about. So even though we're not doctors, we do need to know a few basic things about these drugs. Now I have a quote from Dr. Drew, Jeff Drew, who used to be at Grace uh, Church, John MacArthur's church, but he got his he had a medical practice. He's a missionary now in South Africa, but he got his master's degree in biblical counseling from the master's college. He wrote his thesis on depression. He said, for centuries now, scientists have suppressed the truth of God and the reality of man's fallen, broken spirit, his corrupt soul. The consequence is that in the last 50 years, Man's burden of guilt and despair has been viewed as nothing but an organic lesion. It's a disease. You know, this is how the medical model is. So let's talk about the categories of the commonly used drugs. The first one here is antidepressants. Now, antidepressants are all stimulating drugs. They are chemically related to cocaine, uh, but more closely related to methamphetamines, crystal meth. And so it does um, give you energy. It does perk you up. Uh, for most people, for a few weeks, it will help uh, lift their mood if, if they are struggling with depression. Um, what the drug companies do is they took the, the, the chemical makeup of cocaine and then the chemical makeup of methamphetamines and then they started tweaking it to come up with a drug that had the good effect but not the bad side effects. Uh, they have, they have um, 
gotten better about the side effects, but they have never been successful in coming up with one that just has the good effect and not the bad side effects. These uh, SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Now, they don't just change the permeability of the neurocells in the brain, they change the permeability of every neurocell in your body. So a lot of people have a lot of GI problems. Uh, women have uh, problems with their menstrual cycle. Uh, it's, it's all over your body. Um, the two most commonly used ones today are Zoloft and Paxil. We have Celexa, we have Lexapro. Uh, the, the first one was Prozac. Prozac came out quite a long time ago. They're coming out with new ones all the time. Uh, the SNRIs are serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. They thought, well, maybe if the serotonin uptake inhibitor doesn't work very well, maybe if we target two of these out of the three, uh, that will work. The, com the most commonly used one today is Effexor and Cymbalta. Now, all of another thing they've tried to do is shorten the half-life of these medicines. The half-life is how long it takes, if you stop taking something, how long it takes for half of the drug to metabolize out of your body. It's broken down by the liver and excreted by the kidneys. So um, Prozac has a very long half-life, like five or six weeks. Somebody can cold turkey stop taking Prozac and think, hey, I feel good, I'm fine. Well, wait a month, and then they're gonna start withdrawing. So Effexor, has a half-life of just maybe four or five hours. So if you miss a dose, you're gonna start withdrawing. And the, the, the shorter the half-life, the more uh, severe the withdrawal effects um, you know, immediately are. Effects are extend release is uh, even harder to get off of because it comes in a capsule. Anything that's extend release is in, usually in a capsule. And if you look in that little capsule, it's got little round, they call them pearls. Some of the pearls are thin, but it's got the medicine inside the pearl. Some of them are thick, and it, the reason they're thicker is it takes longer for the digestive juices in the stomach to break them down, and so it just goes out into the bloodstream a little bit at a time. So the effects or extend release um, is just a bear to get off of uh, there. And the, the, the doctors, uh, effects are so well known for side effects that they have nicknamed it side effects. <laughs> so, uh, the testimony from Tracy that, that, I, that you got when you came in, she was on effects or extend release. So uh, later you can look at that and, and read that. There is also an a, what they call an atypical uh, antidepressant. 
It's like a methamphetamine. It is considered stimulating. It's an upper. Um, the most commonly used one today is Wellbutrin. So you may have somebody on that too. It's not exactly an SSRI, but it is a stimulant drug there. Cymbalta, effects are and Cymbalta are um, SNRIs, I believe. I know effects are is. Yeah. Oh, the half-life is a little longer for Cymbalta. I don't know, but I think effects are is the, the worst as far as the short half. They want to make the half-life as short as they can. The thought is it's not going to be as addictive. But that has not been my experience with my counselees. Um, it, it takes about a month to really get hooked on one of these drugs. And if, if you stop taking it after a week or two, then Laura Hendrickson said uh, you won't have that withdrawal effect. Let's wait on questions at, at the end because I know you're going to have questions. All right, write your question down so you won't forget. Um, all right, another category of psychiatric drug is a mood stabilizer. Now, these are drugs primarily used for people that are diagnosed with bipolar. We used to call that manic depressive disorder. Um, the two most commonly used today, uh, well, they, the most common one used to be lithium, but they've really gotten away from lithium. They use uh, Depakote or Topamax, Lamictal. These kinds of drugs are also drugs that they use for people that have seizures. And so it's, it will uh, bring the brain activity down and it's, it's like a suppressant. So the, they, uh, they, the thought is give somebody who's bipolar an antidepressant to keep them from being depressed, but give them uh, one of these mood stabilizers to keep them from getting too high, too manicky. Now, if it, we don't have time to talk about bipolar in here, but if you've never, if you're interested, if you've never read Dr. Hodge's book, Charles Hodge's Good Mood, Bad Mood, he explains all about this and medically as well as from a biblical counseling perspective. There are some patients that legitimately, if they've had a psychotic break, a manic psychotic break, then they do need to be on medicine. So he explains that clearly. But Hodges, Charles, Hodges, H-O-D-G-E-S. He's in Indiana. He's a family practice doctor, but he's been a ACBC certified uh, counselor for years. Um, let's see here. So the mood stabilizers. Um, now, they are adding um, Abilify. Now, Abilify is an antipsychotic drug. And when you think of antipsychotic, you think of just a really strong tranquilizer. But uh, they will, it, you may have seen the ads on TV. If your antidepressant is not working for you now, you may want to consider adding Abilify. So 
the thought is just add one more drug. And um, same thing with, um, and, uh, with uh, people diagnosed with bipolar. Um, now, the antipsychotics are things like Abilify, Risperidol, Seroquel, Zyprexa. Uh, most, if somebody comes to me and they're on an antipsychotic, I want to know why. I'll say, what, why did your doctor put you on this? What was your diagnosis? And if they say, well, he, he diagnosed me with schizophrenia or he diagnosed me with uh, a, a psychotic break or, you know, manic depressive and put me on this. Um, I'm not uh, very, people don't like these anti-psychotics. Uh, they don't like taking them because of the side effects, but a lot of times they need to be on one. So be careful about that uh, there. Uh, somebody who's having hallucinations needs to be on an antipsychotic drug. It, it will help calm their brain down and a lot of times the hearing voices or seeing things that aren't there, that, that'll go away. Um, now there's the stimulant drugs. The stimulant drugs, the primary use initially was to be for children, but now more and more adults are diagnosed with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. There's a really good book by Dr. Grady and uh, David Tyler on this ADHD. Dr. Grady is a pharmacist and uh, David and plus a biblical counselor and um, David Tyler is a biblical counselor and uh, they explain about all this the the medicine the Ritalins and all that and then if you look at the criteria for being diagnosed with this is beha behavior problems in children. Although I do know some children are more hyperactive than others. Uh, okay, yes? Uh, I think it says ADHD. They may have it out here, I don't know. You could ask uh, Steve there. Oh, okay, it's out there. Um, the most common one that we think of is Ritalin, but now a lot of people are on Concerta or Adderall. It's the same category of drug. It works the same way. I looked up Ritalin in a, a drug book, and here's a quote of the, uh, side, some of the side effects. Chronic or abusive use chronic use, that means you're just on it for a while, can lead to drug dependence or addiction. This drug can cause severe psychotic episodes. This is not to be taken lightly to give to anybody, really, child or adult. It's, a, it's an upper, it's a, it's a stimulant there. And then there's the tranquilizers, primarily used for anxiety, typically for a limited amount of time due to the risk of addiction. But I know many, many people who've been on tranquilizers for years and years. Um, the most common one is uh, 
Ativan or Clonopin or Valium or Xanax. Um, now, side effects. I, I want to talk about side effects of antidepressants. Anxiety, because it's a stimulant, and some people will have their first panic attack starting to take an antidepressant. Panic attacks, paranoia, sleeplessness, because it's, it's, stim it's a stimulant, and so some people have trouble sleeping. Even when they do sleep, they have abnormal dreams. Uh, severe restlessness and agitation. Now, this is called akathasia, A-K-A-T-H-A-S-I-A. -A -A. This is the, the patient, the person describes this as just a desperation, restless, just absolutely, totally panicked, and they will impulsively commit suicide. And I have seen this over the years in three of my counselees, and it's, it's remarkable, it is scary, and they come in and they're just like wild-eyed and they cannot sit still. I had a lady, the first time I saw her, she had just been put on Prozac. She'd been on it for about two weeks and it, you know, builds up in your blood. And she was, she was just, she was like this. I mean, she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've never been like this. I mean, and I said, well, I know what's wrong with you. It's the Prozac. You need to stop taking it. This is an emergency. When, when they have akathasia, it's an emergency. They will kill themselves, and um, they, you can either send them, I mean, I didn't hesitate to tell her this is what's happening, and usually it happens in the first month or the first five or six weeks, they, and not everybody, of course, is going to get this, but um, if you've ever seen it, it is really scary, and um, people will Maybe they weren't even suicidal before, but they're just so desperate they cannot, uh, they, they can't take it anymore. So that's one of the side effects. Suicide is a side effect as well as violence. Um, you, 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 when you hear somebody blew their whole family away and then committed suicide, I always want to know what drugs were they on, you know, legal or illegal. Uh, tiredness, weakness, tremors, dizziness, lightheadedness, difficulty concentrating, dry mouth, upset stomach, decreased appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Now, a lot of people are thrilled when they start on antidepressant and it cuts their appetite and so they lose weight if they need to lose weight. But if they keep taking it, over time, their appetite comes back, and they will typically gain massive amounts of weight. I mean, they, you can gain two, three hundred pounds on these, these medicines. Now, not everybody does that, but it can happen. That's one good reason to not take it. Uh, the Decreased sex drive, uh, men are a lot of times impotent, even women have no desire for sex with their husbands, um, so that is a bad, an, a 
difficult side effect to live with. Um, physical symptoms, sweating, blurred vision. I know one surgeon who put himself on Prozac or one of the SSRIs and had to take himself off because his eyes were blurry. I'm like, I don't want you operating on me. Uh, <laughs> hair loss, acne, dry skin, chest pain, runny nose, abnormal heart rhythms. You know, it's going to affect every nerve cell in your body, so it's going to affect your heart too sometimes. Bleeding, blood pressure changes, bone pain, bursitis, breast pain, anemia, and that's a very serious side effect. I know I have one counselee who was on Effexor for years, and she has um, she got such a severe anemia that they had to take her off of it because she was going to die because of it. Uh, low blood sugars, low thyroid activity. And then there are the uncontrollable neurologic symptoms. Now these are in two categories. One is what's called tics, T-I-C-S. Ticks are repetitive muscle contractions. Have you ever had your eye blink or just quiver, you know, you couldn't stop it, but it would stop, you know. Well, we've all had that, but it won't stop when this happens to you. Um, it is, over time, the stimulant exposure, uh, like some kinds of Tourette's kinds of symptoms, uh, can happen, and um, they're very miserable things, these tics, and a psychiatrist knows what's happening, and he will usually take you off of the antidepressant. The other thing is called a tardive, T-A-R-D-I-V-E, dyskinesia, D-Y-S-K-I-N-E-S-I-A. They shorten that by saying a T-D, and uh, sometimes the mouth will droop like you've had a stroke. Um, sometimes the tongue will dart in and out of the mouth and it won't stop, you can't stop it. Uh, the, the, um, and if, when, if you go off of the antidepressant, there's no guarantee that that will go away. It may be for the rest of your life. So if you really wanna scare somebody to death about an antidepressant, you can tell them that. And people get put on these things all the time that really should not have been put on them. You know, it wasn't a legitimate cause. My girlfriend broke up with me or, you know, whatever there. Uh, the loudest voice of dissent with these antidepressants is Dr. Glenn Mullen, the, the Boston psychiatrist. Um, he was alarmed that some of his patients began to exhibit side effects, and now he advocates minimizing or discontinuing Prozac-type drugs. Uh, here's a quote. In recent years, now this book's been out for several years, the danger of long-term side effects has emerged in association with Prozac-type drugs, making it imperative to minimize one's exposure to them. Neurological disorders, including disfiguring facial and whole body tics, indicating potential brain damage, are an increasing concern with patients on the drugs. Withdrawal symptoms, which can be debilitating, 
are estimated to affect up to 50% of the patients. Now, I would say it's virtually 100% have withdrawal effects, but uh, the debilitating is more like 50%. Uh, sexual dysfunction affects 60% of people. Increasing reports are being made of people becoming dependent on the medications after chronic use. With related drugs targeting serotonin, there is evidence that they may affect a chemical lobotomy by destroying the nerve endings that they target in the brain. Prozac-type drugs are now wearing off in some 34% of patients who can suddenly find themselves with a return of the dread symptoms. In other words, they're having withdrawal symptoms and they think, well, I do have a psychiatric disease. You know, I need to go back up on it. And startling new information on Prozac's precipitating suicidal and violence behavior has come to light. That's why the black box warnings are on these drugs now. Um, okay. When is the counseling at the greatest risk? With the first month or when the doctor increases the dose for a month, for that first month of an increased dose. Um, they are likely to begin to experience side effects. The most dangerous side effects are akathasia, anxiety, and insomnia. So if you have somebody who cannot sleep and they're having panic attacks, they will eventually, uh, two or three days of this, either be suicidal or and or um, start to hallucinate and have a psychotic break. Akathasia, A-K-A-T-H-A-S-I-A. That's that weird, extreme, restless, desperation feeling. Then, yeah. So the three most dangerous to watch for are akathasia, and see, this is why they start you out on a little dose and they keep increasing it because they're so dangerous. They know the doctors know this is dangerous for people, and some people will really have a bad reaction to it. Um, so it wouldn't take long for somebody already emotionally upset to feel overwhelmed and suicidal. Um, okay, and the other most dangerous time is when they're withdrawing. Now, if it's time for them to begin to withdraw, then uh, I'll, well, I'll go, th I'll th go through a list of how to help them, what to do, practically what to say. But the most common withdrawal effects are anxiety. They're going to have rebound anxiety. They may start having panic attacks. Even if they've never had a panic attack, they might start having those. Crying spells, fatigue, they cannot sleep, irritability, dizziness, flu-like aches and pains. You feel like you have the flu. Um, I know one lady who was withdrawing from hers. She wasn't my counselee. But she told me later, I went twice to the doctor because I thought I had the flu. Um, nausea, vomiting, headaches, some, some really blinding headaches, some people. Tremors, 
sensory abnormalities such as burning, tingling, electric shock-like symptoms. You feel like hot burning needles are sticking in your body and they'll, you'll have a zap and then it'll go away. And then one over here and one on your leg or, um, and that's, it's just painful. And it's scary too, because you're not expecting it and it just all of a sudden happens. Counselors uh, may become suicidal while withdrawing and some of the medicines are very slow to be metabolized out of the body. Prozac could take up to 25 days after stopping the drug to even begin to metabolize out and last up to 56 days, two months. So if a counselee didn't know this, they might think their psychiatric disease had returned. On the other hand, Paxil and Zoloft and Effexor are the worst offenders in terms of the sheer numbers of people affected by the withdrawal reactions. The drug companies still won't admit that they're addictive. It's addictive. They call it discontinuation syndrome. Well, it's discontinuation syndrome, all right. Um, Effexor is the worst offender in terms of lightning speed uh, within hours of just one missed dose. All right, now this is what I recommend. I recommend that you get Joseph Glenn Mullen's book, The Antidepressant Solution. And uh, I paid full price on Amazon for it, but I, I think now you can look on Amazon and maybe get a used copy or something. Uh, he is not a Christian. He is not a biblical counselor. He's just a doctor, and he wrote this book on how to safely take people through the journey of getting off antidepressants. Uh, it's called, it's in, it's in your notes, uh, under how to help the counselee, point number one. Read Joseph Glenn Mullen's book, The Antidepressant Solution. This will give you some knowledge of how to help, help a counselee come off their medicines safely. You'll be able to talk to the counselor, you'll be able to talk to the doctor if, if that's need be, and in an informed way. Now, the drug literature says for, to the doctor, if they want to come off or you're going to take them off, cut it in half. If they're on 100 milligrams, cut it to 50. And then wait two or three weeks and then discontinue it. Most people go crazy with that. They, it's too fast. Glenn Mullen says if you can cut it down 5%, that would be ideal. So it depends on how it comes in pill form. Uh, Prozac, I think the lowest pill form of Prozac is 10 milligrams. But some of these drugs, Prozac can be compounded in a compounding pharmacy and made into a liquid. So I have a lady that we're doing that now and she's only cutting down two milligrams at a time to just go as slow as she can because she has a really bad history of being extremely unstable and she is very stable now and she's doing extremely well and she would like to come off of it but her family's like, oh, I'm scared for you to come off of it. And um, I'm a little scared for her to come off of it too. I think she's ready, 
but if she cut it in half, she'd probably be back in a psych hospital. So, uh, but he, it's an interesting book. He tracks you through six or seven patients who different uh, drugs, different um, histories, and then how they uh, did with coming off of it. So it will give you some, you know, tell your counselee, tell your doctor, I want to go very, very slow off of this, and um, will you work with me? I have, and, and my faith-based counselor, say that instead of biblical counselor because it's not doesn't sound so strange but anyway um has thinks i'm ready i think i'm ready and i would like for you to help me and i we've never had a doctor say oh no i won't help you come off of it they they've you might if if they refuse then i would want to know why because they might have a good reason but i would want to know why uh there and then number two in your counseling, when you're gathering data, your PDI forms or however you do it, you want the name of the drug, the dose, and how long the counseling has been on each uh, medication. And sometimes you need to ask, were you on any other meds before you came here, but now you're not taking them? Because if they uh, have been, if they withdrew drew from something shortly before they started, uh, they may still re- be reacting to that. Now, um, just a side note here about a drug called Reglan, R-E-G-L-A-N-D. Reglan uh, is a GI drug. It, it, it uh, helps some people who just can't hold their food down and just continue to throw up. But um, it's also used in uh, OB setting for nursing mothers whose milk supply is too low because it has a side effect of increasing your milk. And I have had two young mothers um, who were nursing their babies and they were stable people, had never had a panic attack, never had a psychiatric problem in their life, um, got put on Reglan and they one had a psychotic break, and the other one uh, just, she didn't have a psychotic break, but she almost did, and she just had kept having panic attacks until she went off the Reglan. So what I say is it would be better than being diagnosed with some psychiatric disease uh, to just stop nursing your baby and uh, and, you know, be home with your baby rather than go crazy and have to be put in the hospital. So anyway, that was just a side effect, a side thing there. Look up each medicine. Even if you're not a medical person, just find out what it's typically used for and what the typical side effects are. Uh, Now you can go online and Google anything and find out anything you want. Um, And then number four, give the counselee hope that for the Christian, they can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If they, if they truly are born again, the Holy Spirit will help them. Uh, the Word of God will is uh, powerful, and um, they can trust God. And, but you don't want them coming off their medicine until they've reached that point in their life, you know, where they're stable that way. Um, 
I don't usually make discontinuing the drugs an issue at all at the start of counseling, unless they're just totally zombied out or, or just having the akathasia thing, then it becomes an emergency there. But um, I wait until they have stabilized. And then number five, continue with biblical counseling so that by God's grace, their thoughts and emotions will stabilize and they can have joy in giving God glory. Uh, it's not even a bad idea to see them twice a week as they're withdrawing until you can see how they're doing. Uh, help them. And then number six, teach them a right view of sanctification, progressive sanctification, uh, where their feelings come from. You know, you think thoughts and then you have emotions and then you act on them. We can help them biblically to renew their minds um, and hold them accountable for their actions, loving God by obeying Him and loving others. Uh, they must be told that they can honor God and show love to others in spite of how they feel because withdrawing from these medicines is going to make them feel uh, badly and uh, they're going to maybe have anxiety or feel depressed or, or really struggle. Would you go up there and just, just stand there and tell them? Um, ultimately, as they obey God and honor Him, their feelings will improve and be replaced by the supernatural peace of God that surpasses all comprehension. If, you're, if they're confused or uncertain about the chemical imbalance disease that their doctor has insisted they have, I have written an article on chemical imbalance, uh, how to explain why chemical imbalance is not true. Uh, if, if you email me, I'll be glad to email it to you. Um, the counselee is going to need to talk to their doctor about tapering off the medicines. I suggest telling them I've been the doctor I've been receiving faith-based or biblical counseling. My counselor and I both think I'm ready to begin tapering off. Will you be willing to help me slowly taper off? Uh, if the doctor refuses, then the counselee has the option of finding another doctor. Uh, it's always helpful if you know some Christian doctors in your area that would be willing to help. There's only, I, I know a couple of Christian doctors that would help uh, with this. But as I said, I've, in my experience, and I've done this a lot, I've never had even a non-Christian doctor refuse to try to help them get off of the medicine. Uh, teach the counselee, the possible side effects she may experience by tapering off. If she knows that she's going to have anxiety, she might have some trouble sleeping, um, she might have bad headaches, she might feel like she has the flu, I, I'll tell her all these things. You might feel like the, the electric zaps, you know. The, then when it happens, if it happens, it's not going to totally panic them because they'll say, well, I, this is getting out of my body and um, this, this is unpleasant and a miserable thing, but it is uh, good for me and it will go away. 
Um, sometimes the doctor will need to slow the taper. Now, if they, if she's struggling, he or she is struggling too badly, and they go back up to the last dose they were on, that where they weren't struggling, and the side effects go away, that's proof of the addiction. See, if you're if you if you if you're addicted to anything and you stop taking it and you start having withdrawal effects and you start drinking again or start, you know, then the withdrawal effects go away. Uh, then the next decrease in dose should likely be smaller. If the counseling symptoms improve when the medication is increased, that is proof that the symptoms were from withdrawal. If the counselee wants to take herself off the medicines, tell her no. It's too dangerous. You, this is, you can't do it. I'm not going to help you do it. I'm going to write in your chart that I told you not to take yourself off of this medicine. Um, you might want to have her read Dr. Glenn Mullen's book. I had a counselee do that, and she decided not to take herself off. And then during the time the counselee's tapering off, you probably should see her more often than normal. Uh, I have a, let me just conclude by saying, I have a friend who went to a psychiatrist. It must have been 45 years ago. And she went because she felt guilty because she and her husband had had premarital sex. And uh, she they went to church, but it wasn't a Bible-believing church, and so she didn't get help there. So she went to this psychiatrist, and he said, you have nothing to feel guilty about. And he wrote out a prescription for her for a tranquilizer 45 years ago. She's, now, she's never not been on a tranquilizer since then. She is on an antidepressant. And she has off and on been something to help her sleep at night. And um, she was on so much psychiatric medicine, she began to hallucinate recently. They had to put her in a psych hospital and detox her off of some of her tranquilizer, and then she stopped hallucinating. How sad that that psychiatrist said, let me tell you about the Lord. You know, what you did was wrong, it was sinful, but there is hope for you. And um, the drugs, these drugs come and go. They're loudly heralded by the drug companies to be safe when they first come out. Later, they're found out to be dangerous, and the drug companies quietly place these warning, these black box warnings. I mean, the box that the drug comes in has this big, black box warning do not give this to teenagers or young adults it will cause a high increase in suicidality and but yet doctors do it all the time the preeminent psychiatrist all of the psychiatrists now if they're reading their journals are admitting there is no chemical imbalance uh, we need to have the same assurance especially because we have the sure word of God that restores the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. Okay, questions? Yes. Yeah.
actually a counselee, but um, one that um, has been on antidepressants and have been on um, a diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder. And there's many, I've been on a Pexer for over a year now, and it is horrible to get up and try to take down and get off. And that's where I am now. Uh -huh. And the result of it is how you see me now. So there are the tremors, there's the constant movement, there's the restlessness. Um, there's also another drug that um, they administer. And I'm almost like I'm a crash testimony for these things because they've tried, I've tried Zoloft, I've tried Paxil, they've tried to put down Prozac, they've, I mean, there's just a gamut of drugs that have been in and out visiting my body. And one of them that I'm currently on now, it has absolutely nothing to do with what uh, I've been diagnosed with, but it's called Neurontin, and it's Gabapentin, and it falls within the Tramadol. Right. Uh, and it's for, you know, bipolar disorders and seizures of, the effects right so are you now receiving counseling biblical counseling okay okay um, I would also recommend in addition to that finding an ACBC certified counselor to work with you and then uh, slowly start tapering off. Now I have, I will say, to give you hope, I've had, I don't know how many ladies that were on effects or, and they are now off of it and they feel so much better. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, but, but <laughs> right. The, the Word of God is alive and powerful and it, God can help you and it, it's going to be a miserable process. Yeah, I've tried but, times to come off of this medication. I'm on 150 milligrams, and it's, who this? it's absolutely Yeah. Perfect. Are you on extend release? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would not try to cut it down anymore until I got some solid biblical counseling in, under my belt. And then uh, you can read Tracy's story because that was the I drug did. she was on. Yeah, right. There is a, uh, some people have uh, a, uh, most people go through the nightmare of the withdrawal and then they're fine. Uh, it's just like coming off cocaine. You just kind of have to gut it. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. It's an, it's very highly addictive. So, but anyway. Well, well, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I wanted to hear what um, you know, kind of not just what I could tell someone. Right. Else, because my girlfriend's son tried to commit suicide, jumped in front of the truck on the freeway. Oh. And he's now um, 
time. God said it wasn't time. And he's got probably a little damage, but he was a good one. And um, they misdiagnosed him and he tried to commit suicide. Right. So I, not just for me as a counselor, because I'm not really in a condition to do that, but to... To help other people. Help yeah. Well, that's why Tracy wrote that for me to be able to give out in this class because she wanted people not to have to go through what she went through. If if a counselee comes to me and they're not on medicine, if they're having panic attacks, the doctor would have diagnosed them with anxiety disorder, or if if they're depressed, almost always, if if. I can open the Bible and present the claims of Christ and give them hope and help them. They don't have to go on the medicine. So, but um, that's where the Lord has you now. And, uh, but I would find me a biblical counselor, not that your counselor is not helping or that she doesn't really care about you, but I wouldn't, uh, I would want to be stable spiritually before I started off of it. So, okay. And you had a question? I actually had a couple of questions. All right. Um, are most stabilizers and antidepressants usually detox at the same time? Well, mood stabilizers are not as difficult to get off of. They're not like the antidepressants because if you take, if you stop taking a mood stabilizer, usually most people just are fine. But now, I would want to know again why the person was on that drug. And um, you know, as you were saying um, in your paperwork here, that one of them took 56 days to Prozac has a long half-life. So uh, is that the norm? No, no. Prozac is the longest half-life. Effexor is the shortest one. So you can just Google these drugs and find out what the half-life is. And being a counselor, uh, somebody comes to you and says, I went to the psychiatrist and one time, less than an hour, he said I'm bipolar. Mm-hmm. And they put me on, uh, they started them on one drug and they're in the process of adding two more. And usually they say, well, you are like a diabetic who has to have their insulin. You have to have these drugs for the rest of your life. And this just, most bipolar is extremely uh, way overdiagnosed. Now, if, if, if the person's had a, a, a genuine psychotic episode, then they do need to be on an antipsychotic and something to help them. But uh, most, I mean, even psychiatrists are saying bipolar is way overdiagnosed. So I would, uh, people that aren't bipolar or they're having anxiety and they get put on a tranquilizer and an antidepressant. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, see, the effects of XR is making you nervous. Right, I know. Right, yeah, no, um, I would, I just won't, I wouldn't. I would get me a biblical counselor and let them help you 
just um, get right thinking with the Lord. And um, I, I had a, a, I saw on TV months ago, it was on Fox News, it was a YouTube video of a liquor store that was being robbed. And uh, the owner was behind the cash register. The camera was behind him, and, but you could see the crook coming up. But it just seemed like an ordinary person trying to buy something. And that man, the crook, uh, drew a gun on the owner. Immediately, the owner did two things. He took his left hand, and he pushed the gun aside, and he drew his own gun. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> and so, but I, and I thought, I tell my counselors this, that man... Who, the owner, that's not the first time he did that little move. He must have practiced it thousands of times because he was not expecting it. And um, so now I have my counselees who have panic attacks or whatever they're struggling with. I said, let's come up with some what I call emergency trigger thoughts. And we come up with a whole list of thoughts. I help them. And it's like I use scripture and, and kind of paraphrase scripture and all that. So when you just feel like you're just going to jump out of your skin or whatever, uh, I want you to, to read this and say it out loud and memorize it. Right. It's it, and it can help. It's like behavior modification, but it it's not going to have the power that the Word of God does. So, okay. Can I get your email? Oh. <laughs> I do have. I do, but it's not the kind of thing that I have friends. But you can comment on it. Uh, I, you like it. It's Martha Peace, and then it says teacher, because uh, there's lots of Martha Pieces out. I found out. No, that's not my email. No. Well, I know what my email is, but I get so much. I'm sorry. Well, let me give you, let me give you my, um, if you don't mind, I will give you the, we have a company called Bible Data Services, so let me give you that email. I, oh, okay, well you can send it to, um, W, or to, um, oh dear, <laughs> I'll just give you my email address. Okay. It's Martha Peace. I'll run together. At MindSpring, M-I-N-D-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com. The thing I can't, I'll be glad to send anybody the handout. The thing I can't do is just, I just don't have, I get so many demands on my time that I don't have a lot of time to email people oh, back and okay. forth. Any subject matter, I'll put um, chemical imbalance article. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and then I will send it to you. I'll be glad to. All right, you're welcome. Copyright 2014, IBCD, All Rights Reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.